Happy St. Patrick's Day. Welcome to Question Block. Hi. I'm uh, Alex, or Wires of NYC. With me is... Aerialist. Aerialist, what are we talking about this week? Well, what are you going to talk about? So I'm wearing my best green button down because I'm ready for St. Patrick's Day. We're a little bit early as we're recording this, but this podcast will come out in time for people to learn about St. Patrick's Day before they celebrate it by going and getting drunk next week. Yeah. So I'm just a revelver. I'm an American celebrating St. Patrick's Are Day. Are you St. Patrick? I am not St. Patrick. He wasn't that cool a guy. I'm going to go out and say it. Yeah, and I'm going to be talking about the the Druids. No one knew no no one knows who they are. So you're a <laughs> you're a a pagan Celtic. Oh, I'm Boudicca. Like wizard. 100%. I'm Boudicca. I'm a Celtic warrior. I um I ate a baby's head one time. <laughs> For okay, real. So we're going to learn about Celtic mythology. And Celtic reality, because Boudicca is a real person. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Queen Victoria is named after her. Sneak preve. Wow. All right, we're going to learn about Celtic warriors then, too. We're going to talk about first about St. Patrick, who Christianized Ireland, introduced Christianity to Ireland in the 400s AD. And then you're going to talk about what he displaced, which I think we both agreed uh, so much better. Celtic mythology was a lot cooler than uh, St. Patrick's Christianity. Than the one the one guy. But their embrace of green is pretty cool. I'll give them that. Did you know that St. Patrick's Day used to be blue? It's still Blue still is a color heavily associated with St. Patrick's Day. I'll tell you why. Green is more just associated with Ireland in general. Okay, so St. Patrick's Day, also known as the Feast of St. Patrick... And we're going to mispronounce a bunch of Irish words on this podcast. Speak for yourself. Okay, so I have La File Padraig, or Padraig, I guess Padraig is Patrick. Padraig. You know, Padraig. Okay. Is Patrick. Is that, in, is that in Welsh? Or that looks like another language. Is that in it's Latin? In, it's Gaelic. Oh, okay. The original language of the Gaels, who are a linguistic group. That's found in Ireland and Scotland and the British Isles and now throughout the world in what's known as the Irish diaspora. So it's a holiday, obviously, to celebrate St. Patrick. It's a cultural and religious celebration. It's always on the 17th of March, regardless of what day of the week that falls on. And which is that is supposed to be the death date of St. Patrick, who is the foremost patron patron saint of Ireland. So it's like Easter for Ireland. And the Irish view St. Patrick as akin to one of the 12 disciples because he was the first disciple really to spread Christianity in Ireland. It's not like Christmas because it's not celebrating his birthday. But like, was he Irish it's though? celebrating his death day. And that's the thing. He wasn't even Irish. What? Face crack of the whatever century he was in. Yeah, so the day commemorates St. Saint, Saint Patrick bringing Christianity to Ireland. I like this word too. One of So there's like parades, there's a lot of drinking. Uh, the, the Scottish and Irish both celebrate it. And one of the, the ways they celebrate it is called a Cayley, which is spelled Salid, <laughs> but it's a Cayley, which just means a party. 
with uh, dancing and Gaelic folk music. Rocking good Gaelic time. Yeah. And so historically, because the Irish are all very, well, depending on Northern or good Southern at dancing. Ireland, they're all either very Protestant or very Catholic. Uh, they all celebrate Lent, but they lifted the restrictions of Lent for this one day, for St. Patrick's Day. So that's why drinking and feasting is associated with it. You get to break Lent for that's one day. That's so funny. So it's the cheat day for Lent. They could, if you can't make it all 40 days, you get a one day off to celebrate St. Patrick's. A rum springer. Yeah, for one day. But that's why around the world, like Americans who celebrate it, for example, uh, are like, great, we're going to go get hammered like we do every weekend, but this this day we'll drink Guinness. But I think it means something more if you're celebrating Lent and you haven't been drinking for the last like three weeks and then you have a... Means you're a lightweight. A big St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it's how to have a cheaper St. Patrick's Day. Actually celebrate Lent. Okay, so who is so, this dude? So St. Patrick, uh, 5th century, so 480, uh, Romano-British because the Romans ruled the island of Britannia at this time. There was no England at this time. So he was a Romano-British Christian missionary and became a bishop. So much of what is known about him comes from his own writing called The Declaration of St. Patrick. Love it. <laughs> uh, also called the Confessio, I think, is another term for it. The Confession or Declaration of St. Patrick. So he was born in Roman Britain to a wealthy family. His father was a deacon. His grandfather was a priest in the Christian church. No one cared about his mom, this apparently. Is, if you remember from the Christmas episode, this is uh, post-Constantine. So Christianity is the religion of the Roman Empire at this point in the four hundred, probably late 480s. So he was kidnapped when he was a teenager and taken as a slave. By pirates, right? By Irish pirates. So Gaelic is a culture of the Gaels, which is this linguistic group that speaks Gaelic. So he then lived there for six years, working as a shepherd. And during that time, those lonely days out in the field, tending to animals, he found God and became more Christian, despite being surrounded by the pagan Irish. And then uh, God appeared to him in a, a dream or a vision while he was shepherding and told him that, to go to the coast. So he traveled like 200 miles to go to some port and managed to get on board a ship and return home to England and he got back home, and you think that would be enough adventure for a lifetime. But he then, now that he had found God, he pursued religious studies, uh, became a bishop, and then he was like, I have to go back. I have to go back and save those poor uh, Irish pagans. And he did. He went back and taught Christianity and proselytized. And he, pro he what? Proselytized. What's that? Preached. Oh. He, he, he oh, wanted okay. to preach. Uh, and then he, in his declaration, as he wrote it, he said he spent his remaining years evangelizing throughout Northern Ireland. He converted thousands of Irish. Okay, but wait, weren't they like, weren't they like there's that slave that escaped? How did he like come back and preach? Was he like hiding? It's still a pretty big country. It's He probably never even ran into the guys who had kidnapped him in the first place. Maybe he did, but... At this point, they were like, I don't know. They like let it go. Maybe he maybe went around with soldiers. I'm not sure. In his own telling of it, they accepted him and were eager to listen to him talk about Christianity, even though formerly he had been a slave. He probably had learned Gaelic though, because he had spent six years there and you Checks know out. Um, immersion his immersion language studies. So he was like, he was like, here's a 
a, a three-leaf clover. So famously, right? famously, he obviously three-leaf clovers were present in Ireland, but he made it the national symbol of Ireland. Of the Holy Trinity, right? So supposedly he used, and he's always depicted holding a shamrock in one hand or a handful of shamrocks, used the three-leaf clover as a, yeah, I guess to explain the concept of the Trinity. And there are theories that because the Irish paganism involved a lot of triple deities already. Oh, yeah. Which you're going to tell us about. three. Yeah, they were like, oh, cool, checks out, our God too. Like, that's, all right, sure, we'll, like, worship with you. That's fine. And the, what's it called, the the three-legged thing, the Triskedalion, that, like, symbol, it's, like, three legs and a little cool triangle. Some yeah. people have tattoos of it. And there's, like, a triple spiral. On so, their lower back. Yeah, people love to get that on their lower back. But it's it's also associated with sort of like the Masonic pyramids and stuff. People love the the triple deity thing. So the the Irish pagans were into it also. Okay, so then that's who St. Patrick was. Uh, within a couple hundred years, he was then known as the patron saint of Ireland by like the 700s or so. But celebrating... How did he die? Just old age. Very anticlimactic. Yeah, I guess I guess nothing. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. No, he wasn't just like uh, a nice dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just converted. Convert people died of old age. He is in one popular legend or telling is that he drove the snakes out of Ireland. That's metaphorical. He drove the people I'm going to talk about out of Ireland. The, the, the snakes are, I think, is a metaphor for like. The, the right, druids for Satan or whatever, right? From for like dru- for druids or the druids, he drove the druids out because there had never been snakes in Ireland because it's too cold for them and they would die. Well, there you go. Yeah, they wouldn't survive the winter. Yeah. So today's St. Patrick's Day celebrations. I thought this was really interesting. It's kind of like a number of other celebrations that uh, it originally was much more celebrated by the Irish di- diaspora. So. You know, people like my grandmother. Uh, oh, she loves Scotch, Scotch Irish immigrants living in America celebrated St. Patrick's Day much more because it's like a really it's an Irish national holiday. Uh, they celebrated a lot more and embraced it and got drunk and turned it into big parades and stuff uh, before the Irish did. In Ireland, it only it caught on and became a popular celebration in the second half of the 1900s. So really like post-World War Two. And I think the first recorded parades in Ireland aren't until like the 1930s. So kind of like, I don't know, pizza or all the other cultural imports that America takes and turns into crazy things and then ships back to their home countries. Uh, St. Patrick's Day was one of them. Is it because it united the immigrants in America? Yeah, and it's a thing to remind you of home. It makes sense that you would get, get really into celebrating your national you know, holiday. You want to tell me about the colors you said? I was going to tell you. Well, we talked about the shamrock. There is a a customary St. Patrick's Day toast. It's called drowning the shamrock. I didn't know about this. I've never done I it. I didn't know but about it sounds this fun. Yeah, so you, at the for your last drink on St. Patrick's Day, you drop a shamrock into a glass and then fill the glass with beer or whiskey or cider, and then you drink the entire thing, including the shamrock. It's like a goldfish shot with a shamrock. I think that's the next power green. We have like, you know, we got kale. I think shamrocks are next. The next, they're like a micro green, power micro green. Yeah. 
And then I'll, I'll finish up this section. I'm going to tell you about why green is associated with why it's sort of the national color of Ireland. So it dates to this. This is like way after St. Patrick. There's this pseudo-historical book called Libor Gabae Eren, the book of the taking of Ireland. And there's an Irish mythological... What is it? The mythological cycle in Irish mythology. All right, that's a good description of it. Oh, are you gonna are you gonna like tread on my? I'm just gonna tell you about this one character in this one what? epic, just one. This is who introduced green. It's important. Okay. Their name is uh, Goidel Gloss, who is supposedly the ancestor of the Gaels of all the Gaelic speaking peoples. This uh, Goidel Gloss, who Goidel Gloss is the son of. That doesn't matter. Uh, Godoglass was bitten by a snake and saved by Moses. So apparently the ancestors of the Irish in this mythological telling were there during the creation of the Tower of Babel way back in like Mesopotamia. And Godoglass's character was bitten by a snake and Moses placed his staff on the leg of this person to save them from the snake, but it left a green mark. So that person's name was actually Goidel. Gloss means green in uh, Irish. I was going to say, he, he said, because he was near the Tower of Babel, he just said ow in like every language. Oh. So in this mythology or legend, there, after the right God struck everyone working on the tower so they would speak different languages, apparently there were 72 different languages. And this person, Goidel, whose name was anglicized to Gaelic, uh, develop the Gaelic language. So this is like the the paterfamilias of all the Gaelic peoples. But this legend was written down. They, they can date it to like the 1100s AD. But the story supposedly is that the Irish are actually descended from these people in Mesopotamia and this person who was working on the Tower of Babel who then moved to the Iberian Peninsula, which is sort of like Spain, built another giant tower. And from that tower, they could see Ireland and they... And so then they went to Ireland. Oh, that's cute. I it's like a, that. It's a cute little migration story, I suppose. That's, so that's one of many mythologies for how the Irish got to Ireland. So Goidel Glass with this now, you know, green snake bite, uh, that's part of it. He's just an emo kid with a, a snake bite piercing. <laughs> it's like here. Oh, and that trip, I should have said, that trip is very, it, it like, there's a bunch of tribulations in it and it, clearly is a ripoff of the story of Exodus from the Bible and like Moses leading his people, the, the, you know, the Jews through the desert for 40 years, the like Irish had these trials and tribulations before they finally landed in Ireland. Well, that's no, that is part of the mythological cycle. They, they, there actually is no like original creation myth of the world. It's just like they're living in the world and like it is all like how, no, I'll they were to always that. here. Yeah. Okay, so a little bit more about green then. In the in the 1640s, the Irish Catholic Confederation, which is like the Irish started uniting and I think wanting to form their own independent uh, nation, which took several hundred years. If we've all seen, uh, I guess Braveheart was the Scottish, but uh, the Irish too, it took them a long time to break out from underneath uh, the the English, the thumb of the English. The English thumb of oppression. Yeah. So the Irish Catholic Confederation used a green harp, and they claimed it represented the sacred emblem of Ireland's unconquered soul. Yes. Because the father, can I just say, the father God has like a magic harp. 
Yeah, so they love the harp. Also on the is the Guinness logo. So then, b- because of that, using that that green harp and the flag, then uh, members of these like rebellious groups who were rebelling against the English would wear green ribbons or like kind of their logos became it sort of became their team color. But then to further confuse it, the Friendly Brothers of St. Patrick, an Irish fraternity founded in 1750. They don't sound very friendly. I'm scared. (laughs) The Friendly Brothers of St. Patrick adopted green as their color. But then there was a rival group, the Order of St. Patrick. And they they adopted blue as their color. So now blue is associated with St. Patrick. So you wear green for Ireland, but the, there's like a medal of St. Patrick that you can win if you're, I guess, if you're in the Irish army. And you, you drink. Oh. Yeah. And you drink a lot. You can win a blue ribbon because the order of St. Patrick chose the color blue. Wow. So blue or green, probably fine. And then kind of throughout the late 1700s, all the way up until Irish independence in the early 1900s, green is associated with Irish nationalism, with like being a proud Irishman. And uh, it was Ireland was first referred to as the Emerald Isle. In 1795, in When Aaron First Rose, a poem by William Drennan, who is the co-founder of the United Irishmen. Oh, yeah. Erin is the goddess of, of Ireland. Well, there you go. Because nice. her, her Irish name is, it's like Aaron, and, and that means like Ireland, basically. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then there's a, a song called Wearing of the Green. And then I thought this was cute in, so green, it like by now is like well embedded in the national psyche. And then this is very cute. In 1922, uh, Ireland achieved independence. The first act by the new Irish free state was to order all of the post boxes to be painted green. I love that. And they, (laughs) under the slogan, green paint for a green people. Okay. Uh, And then in. (laughs) Okay. They did a yeah, the government did a lot of like color matching, I guess, when they first came to power. And then in two years later, in 1924, the government introduced a green Irish passport. And it remained that color until they joined the European Union in 1985. I love that. So for a good 60 years, any, you know, every Irish person had a green passport also. So it makes sense. It's all, that's the color associated with the Emerald Isle. Okay. So you're supposed to wear green on St. Patrick's Day. You're supposed to drink, right? What else? Is that all the like stuff? Drink. Go to the parade? You get to. You get to drink. And then celebrate, you know, like Gaelic culture and listen to like that opening song we played for this episode. Some like great like fiddle and harp music. Epictronica. Yeah. What about the leprechauns? I don't know too much about the leprechauns because St. Patrick's Day is, is a, a Christian celebration. <laughs> it's a God-loving. And those those lepre- leprechauns sound like sort of a pagan invention. The, they they are a creature from Celtic mythology. I'll while we're still talking about St. Patrick's Day, I'll say that they actually have their own holiday. It's like May twenty third, I think. Leprechaun Day. Yes, and they're such a like sad creature because they make shoes, but they hate it. Like they really hate their job, and usually they just make one pair of shoes a year. <laughs> they're very slow at it. Okay. They also are uh, nature spirits, and they protect. They like restore and protect nature. So the the gold situation is that if you bury your dead with gold on them, the leprechauns will dig the gold up to restore the body to nature. 
and then people maybe will try and get the gold back from them and they'll go to the leprechauns will go to a rainbow and if you can get them there that's where they store it but there really aren't a lot of rainbows in they're, Ireland they're, because it's not sunny. Because so. it's never sunny. There are very few rainbows in Ireland. So you can't get the gold back. But they're environmentalists. They don't, you know, they're they're just recycling. Yeah, they're like the opposite of the dwarves. Like in yeah, the Hobbit. Much. In the Hobbit, the dwarves are constantly digging up gold. And the the leprechauns are putting it back. Oh, they're digging it up. They're digging it up from the buried bodies and then putting it not in the earth. Oh, they they themselves hoard it, or they they their concern is that the bodies can okay. be one with the earth again, and the gold is like preventing that. So they just they're just recycling. They're like separating the bottles from mm. you're dead. Got it. As you do. Okay. And then the leprechaun gold is cursed. Is it lucky? It's just cute. <laughs> like it's just gold. It's just. I mean, it's your gold technically because you buried it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, tell us about what what St. Patrick and Christianity displaced. What were the the Gaelic slash Celtic people celebrating before him? Okay, so let me just talk about the Celt the Celts famous basketball team and people. So Celts are just it's it is also a language. It's basically like if you speak Welsh, you are possibly descended from these nomadic people i sort of look at them like vikings like warmer weather vikings because they they were really widespread like they were all over the place but they were definitely warmer a little more south than the vikings but they had a very similar vibe yeah still terrible weather in the the welsh islands i think just a little like, less fur, a little more metal. In fact, they invented right. chainmail. They were a nomadic people, and they also weren't really unified. Like there were all these little sub tribes, and sometimes they would come together. But in battle, they would really you would really just like stick with your native tribe and stick up for them. So that's really what led to their downfall slash extinction. So the the Celts okay. really, their downfall happened like under Roman rule, except the Romans didn't really make it to Ireland. So they, they lasted there a little bit longer, I guess, until they were converted to Christianity. Yeah, the Romans did make it all the way to England. Let me tell you, they made it all the way to the Romans. They were like invading them all the time. And the Romans were really afraid of them because they... Oh, the English were invading the Romans? Yeah, they were They were like the most feared people. And they had this... The, there were a couple problems that led to their downfall. One of them was like the lack of unity. One of them was the... They invaded so many times in this very spear-like formation. And the Romans were like, oh, if we kind of spread out... <laughs> They just adapted their battle formation yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and then, bit. you know, because there was lack of unity, the Celts were like, okay, well, they we'll just keep, the, like, spearing the in. The berserker and then, formation. I, okay, yes. That was also something that made people really afraid of them is that they would just, like, freak out, and they also, like, in the battle, they would just, like, literally go berserk. And they would, they thought that reciting, like, rhyming and stuff, poems and, like, rapping, basically rapping, would 
ward off enemies, but it kind of worked because like imagine you're in battle and someone's just like just like freestyling at yeah. like like at you and like you it's know, like that's eight, scary. Eight exactly. Yeah, it gives you power. <laughs> Like really good at the Romans were like, "Whoa, <laughs> no, thank you." There's a, it's from around Julius Caesar's time. I don't think it's him, but it's like in a letter between like one of his generals or something. And the Romans later did conquer like Britain or Britannia uh, at the time, but but in the letter they're like, "It's not even worth it to invade the British Isles. The people there are too stupid and have no musical talent. They wouldn't even make good slaves." There's no gold whatsoever on the island. There's like scarcely even any trees that we could chop down to like oh. make ships out of. It's it's totally useless. Oh, <laughs> they're just like crap. Your boy, them. your boy was envious. That's what was going on there because it's literally all the opposite. They had a lot of wealth. They would wear like a ton of gold, like around their neck and stuff. Like that. They were very good at like music and. Uh, they had they had a lot of oral tradition. I guess the Romans just didn't like their style of music. Maybe they didn't like that the uh, the bagpipes. Celts were like constantly <laughs> whooping their ass until, um, they yeah they changed up their the Romans changed up their form formation. Also, a lot of the writing and information we have about them is from Julius Caesar and Pliny the Elder. Oh. Robin on Instagram is mentioning mentioning oh, asterisks, asterisks yeah. and obelisks. Those are Gauls. They're French. Uh, but they were also Celts. Like there were. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They, because this is like referring to any of these like nomadic people who also spoke Welsh. Because you and I were saying the Gauls are different, further southern, but different linguistic group than the Gaels. But those are all under the umbrella of but all of all Celts. Celts, yeah. Okay, but I suppose really just the native peoples of Western Europe and the British Isles, which are Celts. Yeah, and France is right across the channel, so it makes sense. What was they? Oh, so they 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 had this like great. They had a lot of oral traditions. In fact, they really didn't like to write anything down. So Julius Caesar and Claudius, they were like, we're going to write about. Them. Oh, and Pliny the Elder, they were like. We're going to write about them. And they kind of did them dirty, I think. We'll never know if it was, like, accurate or not because they, they kind of made them out to be barbarians. But I think they were just, like, a little bit afraid and a little bit, like, they were, like, they've been defeated by them so many times that they were making them out to seem, like, really crazy and, like, scary to make themselves feel better. Yeah, they had a lot of trouble conquering. Julius Caesar became famous which, you know, in his early career before he became Caesar. For his salad, you know. Julius the General uh, became famous conquering the Gauls in Western Europe, basically in what's now modern day, I guess, Eastern France. Yes. And there's also warrior queen Boudicca, who she had, she had a very troubled life. You said she ate a baby? She, she did. What? She, yeah, that's a troubled life. <laughs> What well, happened? it's because the Romans, <laughs> because the she was, you know, she was a princess and then uh, the Romans invaded and like enslaved her like tribe of, of Celts, Celtic people. And they went into the houses and they just like raped every, every woman and child and like everything. They just were like, this is ours. And they, you know, and they, they whipped them too, which was like a sign that they were a slave. Like they were basically like, you're our slaves. 
And so she really had nothing to lose. And she like just went buck. Like she was like, we're going to, we're going to go. And like, yeah, she, she staged a lot of really epic battles and then she committed suicide. But like the eating the baby thing was like to show people that she had like zero fucks. (laughs) Oh, this is the, sorry, just an aside. The, the guy, the like king of the Gauls who was like Caesar's enemy was Vercingetorix. Yep. Which is where that the asterisk comes from. Yeah. Vercingetorix. Very cool name. He was a, a scary dude. Okay. So okay. there were some great Celtic warriors. There's also the Druids, who are basically like the scholars and teachers. And mythologically, they became like the wizards and like the diviners. The priests of the, the priests, Gauls, I guess. Yeah. But they also, be- I guess because they could read, served like bureaucratic government functions as well. Yeah. And the training to become a Druid was like epic. Like you would start at 12, I think. And then there'd be a 12 year cycle. And there were all these different levels of it. So there's like. There's like regular druid, and then there's like special druid, and there's like advanced druid, master druid. It's very Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, uh, yeah, druid. Absolutely, that's this where a lot of their stuff comes from. And they, you know, they wore like the different robes with the different colors, according to the Romans, (laughs) because they didn't write anything down. They liked to read, but they didn't. They didn't like to write so much because it was like in the code of a druid, you couldn't write notes. They're like no factotums, I get, because they were like we're just gonna like teach it to you, word of mouth. Yeah, fair enough. Oral tradition, right? It worked for the Greeks, for the most part, for their epic poems. I feel like they did write stuff down though. It took them a while, right? Odysseus and uh, like the the Iliad, the Iliad and Odyssey were getting passed around for I think a couple centuries. Okay, but. There's right. no there's no writing by these people. It all comes from their conquerors, I guess. So yeah, take everything the, with a the Romans salt. they happen to interact with. Who? Which, I mean, the the stuff that the Romans said it was like intense, but it it wasn't like you know these people are trash. It was like they're big and scary and like and mysterious. Okay, so do you? Are there like famous druids that like we should know about, or are they all kind of lost their names or lost to history? No, but there are famous gods and goddesses that we can talk about. Yeah, let's hear about this. I know nothing. We all know some Norse mythology, and we know a lot because we did a Norse mythology episode, but I know zero Celtic mythology. Okay, so there's the mythological cycles, there's the folkloric cycles i guess because there's the mythological cycle which is like these are like above gods and goddesses i didn't even really get the the term cycle refers it's just like a series of stories it's like a yes. canon or whatever yeah then there's the ulster cycle <laughs> the fenian cycle which i just think of the the principal principal Feni. yeah and this is just scholars putting together and they're like oh these stories are all from the same universe It's like a Marvel Comics universe kind of thing. And then there's the cycles of the kings. Got it. It's like DC Marvel comics. The the most like interesting ones. And the cycle of the kings are like based on real kings and stuff like that. It's it's it also reminded me of Shakespeare a little bit. How there's like, you know, because there's like the histories, the like comedy tragedy. Yeah. Um, And they all, uh, all the characters in these like 
uh, cycles, they use different, they have different undercurrents, like in the, like the warrior cycle, there's a lot of undercurrents of like trickery and stuff like that. And in the, the mythology cycle, it's just magic. That's like their tactic. They're like, and magic. And the magic is totally random. There's no like magical rules or anything. It's just like someone's like feeling overwhelmed and they're like, I'm going to turn into a salmon. <laughs> like that legit happens. Can, you, can you tell me one of the stories? I'm going to tell you the, the story, like the story and then like how it, and then like the most important, funniest ones. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's the, the Dana and the Dogda and that, that's like the mom and the dad. Right. And they have, there's like an Oak tree and then like the Oak tree rains. And then these like people, the Dogda, which is like the father and the, the Dana, which is the mother, they like come out of that. And then they have, they have so many children. Oh, it's kind of <laughs> like the Norse. It's Yggdrasil. Except uh, it's an oak tree. But no, no, no. It's just like a random oak tree. And then, but it's <laughs> okay. like in the forest, like that world. This, this is the thing I said. There's no, like the world already like exists as a world mm. and like Ireland exists and stuff like that. But like, it's called different things. And then the mom and the dad have so many children, like legit so many children. And then they tell the children, okay, you have to go, you have to go to basically like Ireland and you won't be the only people there. There's going to be the Fomorians who are like kind of a race of like giants sort of. It's never really specified. And they're like, you're going to have to battle them, you know. So there's the... Kind of like the Frost Giants? Y yes. Yes. There's like the... But in the woods. But they're Ents. Uh, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. It, it really doesn't say... That's like one of the... One of the things that like makes it hard to catch on, like why people don't talk about it a lot, is because there's a lot of like dead ends or like un unfinished. Yeah, because probably so so little of it survived is written records. So where would you even get these stories from? So, you kind right. of have to piece it together. So there's the. Tua de Danan, which is like the children, the, that story of these children of like the earth mother and father, that they are called the Tua de, the Tua de Danan. Okay. Okay. And I'll tell you a little bit about. Oh, Danae's kids. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the kids of Danae. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Danae. That's her name? Donna. Donna and. and Dogda. Dogda is the. Yeah. Like Dada. Dog, Dogda. Okay. Uh, so Dogda, I love this. He has a couple of different weapons and different like tools. So he has a club. Okay. That can it could slay ten men with a single blow, but it can also resurrect the dead. So it can unslay them. Yeah. As well. Un unslay my heart. That's a slower process, but it can unslay them one at a time. And and this uh, club is named Lorgmorg. It has a name. Yeah. And then okay. he has a magic cauldron named Coria. And the magic cauldron basically will just like sa satiate anything. He has two hogs so that one can be alive while the other one roasts. <laughs> How dope is that? He's just like eating one and then like petting the other. And then they just like take turns. And, and then when he's done eating it, he... 
throws in the cauldron. I don't know. <laughs> See, we don't know. He uses his club to bring it back to life, I guess. <laughs> then there's a uh, harp. He's also a harp named U8. That <laughs> by the way, it sounds like like a a drunk Celtic guy was like. He is though. It says that there's a thing. It says that like I can't he, really do an Irish accent, but he's his, like, yeah. What if you you can eat a hog, but you you've got your other hog with you. He's your friend. <laughs> But you're roasting the other one, and then you well, switch them. His and his harp, his harp could command the seasons and men, it, like both. And he's often portrayed as like a, a he's he's like a bear, he's like a gay bear. Like he's like has a beard. His his stomach is always out, and he's kind of been turned into like this goofball. I saw a description of him that was like he's a man of like burlesque, which I was like okay. Um, yeah, so he's kind of like he sounds, but he's out there with the club, killing ten men at a time. It's not a man of burlesque. Maybe I mean, is. the reveal right. of it all. Okay. Like, yeah. Then he brings them back to and life. Then he, yeah, and then he rips his pants off, his breakaway <laughs> yeah. pants, and brings them back to life, and feeds them one of his hogs. Um. So he okay. So he had sex with Morgan the Morgan, which which has like eight G's and like ten N's. The Morgan. The Mor- this is not Morgan Le Fay. No. From Arthurian legend. No, I mean yeah. some people are like, are they the same? But I really don't think. I don't okay. think because the Morgan, <laughs> she's the queen of darkness and prophecy, and. Uh, she whatever she says is the truth and it will come true for sure 100 percent. so don't you dare doubt her and if you don't pay attention to her she will kill you oh you said that yeah so there's some other some king and uh so in the the hero cycle there's this this hero that's that's the we'll get to him but yeah she she kills she kills him because he doesn't pay attention like she lands she kind of flies around him as a crow in battle and he like doesn't pay attention to her and then she then he dies <laughs> and then she like lands on his shoulder again and she's like are you gonna notice me now she's also kind of reminds me of a valkyrie except a valkyries would take the valiant like people and bring them to like valhalla right but she's just kind of like an omen of death so then there's Lou of the long arm. Mm-hmm. He's the trickster. He's probably the most prevalent god. He's I guess he kind of reminds me of like Apollo. It sounds like Loki if he's the trickster. But uh, he he's he's a he's like a little Loki energy vibes, but he's good. Like people love him. He's mm. actually if you don't want to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, because he's a white gentrifier, then you can celebrate like a Lou Day, basically, which is like he's just the beautiful boy. And then let's see, there's Serranos, who's he's like the weirdest of them. Well, I guess they all have like really weird stuff, but he's like super weird because he has um antlers and he's like. He's just like a sexy, like hippie. He smells like patchouli. He's like always seen in a lotus position. He's sort of a Dionysus. Yeah. Well, but, and he's also like Diana, like goddess of the hunt, Mm -hmm. but male. Do they have like an Aphrodite Venus? 
That that's like like Freya. I'm trying to do this Type for character. you right now. Okay, that's him. Uh, so if you want an Aphrodite-ish one, that would be like Aphrodite and Persephone. I think would be like Br- Br- Brigid, Brigid, Brigid. Yeah, who's like the spring goddess. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. She's the one, the Ostara, like the Easter goddess. Yeah, yeah, we're the babes. Yeah, she's so that's her. I think I feel like the Mor- Morgan. <laughs> I feel she's like she's hot too. So she might be like Persephone's underworld lady side. Yeah, or hell. No, there's another one that's hell because they they have a cauldron that's stirred. That's like the, you know. Oh, there's a second mythological cauldron. Yeah, yeah, it's like the cauldron of life, and it's like a crystal ball, and it's stirred. Um, there, I forget her name, but there's another one that's that's her. Basically, there is this cool story about because there's all these battles between right. So, so the 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 uh, Tua Dodano and like the Fomorians, and then one of the children like rebels. And be- sort of like becomes a Fomorian, and there's this whole myth where he there's he like loses his arm. It's kind of like Star Wars, and he has a silver <laughs> arm, but he's not yeah. allowed to be a king because you're supposed to be like perfect. So then, someone makes him a new arm with flesh and blood, and then that guy's son makes an even better arm. It's like a very that's like a very wild. Sounds part like of a this. real arms race. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty epic. So I'll get into the warriors, the 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 other warrior, right? So there's Kukane, who's the one that who's kind of like the Hercules one. He's kind of like a a big angry. He gets really angry. He's kind of like Hulk meets, he gets meets all, Hercules. He gets all coked out. He does. He's like <laughs> his name's Kukane. Yeah. Okay. It's all coked out. And uh, he flies into a fit of of rage for he with goes, frantic they energy. They literally say that he goes berserk. Yeah. That he oh, does, wow. and but and he's the one who didn't see Morgan, and she's like, oh. "You did." Okay. He's the son of Lou, but he's he's like, <laughs> like son also, of a god, but also a mortal. Yeah. You know, constant teeth grinding and it, it, planning yeah. to start his own small business. Okay, and then there's. Finn McCool, Finn McCool, which is like the name of so many bars. Finn McCool's is like the name of so many bars. I have seen McCool's. I didn't know it was based off of mythological character. I thought it was, they were just like, this would be the coolest Irish name. I mean, it is though. It's the coolest Irish name. It's so cool. So Finn McCool (laughs) was taken under the wing of a poet. And the poet was like, yo, I've been trying to catch this like magic salmon for five years. And Finn McCool actually catches the salmon. And then they start to cook it. And Finn McCool burns his hand and he sucks his thumb because it's like burnt. But then he ingests some of the salmon's like oil and instantly gets all of the knowledge of the salmon because it's like the salmon of knowledge. Yeah. And then... All he has to do when he wants to know something is suck his thumb and he like gets knowledge. Nice. And his thumb is known as like the thumb of knowledge. Do they actually eat the salmon then? I think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. They then ate it. But. May- maybe. Maybe they just wanted to cook it. Just put it. Just a little bit. 
Or maybe it hopped out of the pan when that happened. <laughs> it was like, like, don't, don't eat me. They really loved salmon. I didn't know that. I didn't know that your people loved salmon so much. I didn't either. Because they're redheads. I didn't even know you could, that they had them in Ireland. Maybe that's why they like, they were like, we've seen it one time. Yeah, I thought it was really more of a Pacific Northwest fish. But all right, cool. They love the salmon. So those are. They got rivers. Makes sense. Those are the main ones. The main like people you should know about it. About. Okay. Mythological Celtic beings you should know. Yeah, I mean, then there's then you can get into the fairy, the fae, and Morgan Le Fay was like the queen of the fairies. Yeah, because Brid- British legend has a lot of fairies and woodland creatures, so it makes sense the Irish would too. I mean, Celtic mythology has a lot of creatures too, because there's all these other stories that are like about the leprechauns and the the banshees. Yeah, what about the banshees? I mean, they just like scream a lot. <laughs> They're just like serious PMS. It sounds like a lot of nature spirits. Yeah. Which makes sense. Because it's a beautiful country. There's, I didn't even get into those, but there's a lot of creatures from the, and there's like the sulkies, like a lot of changeling. There's also like this werewolf that changes, but it's not a werewolf. It like changes into so many different things, so many different like creatures. I wonder if part of that comes from it being very foggy all the time and you often mistake things for other other creatures, maybe. Yeah, and the werewolves, too, the natural werewolves that are there. Yes, you know. natural werewolves. All right, yeah. so I think everybody's ready to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Do you have any... I mean, the everybody's going to go out and drink Guinness, probably. We'll leave them with, I guess, just a few Guinness factoids. Oh, yeah, I don't know any of that, so I hope you, I hope you do. I don't have much, um, and I guess we will talk about, we can talk a little bit just about, and this hails back to our cocktail episode. So Guinness <laughs> is a, a very heavy, uh, I guess heavy mouthfeel tasting, but it's actually relatively low alcohol content, uh, Irish stout. Oh, I will say the Celts, that one thing the Romans found like wild about them is they didn't dilute their alcohol. <laughs> yeah, they would just drink it straight. Yeah, and the Romans were like, that's but that's insane. Yeah, I guess the Romans were drinking, like mixing wine with water, maybe drinking some kind of mead, but they or yeah, they weren't they weren't drinking hard liquor straight for the most part. Right. Whereas the Irish and Scottish had the whiskey ball, as it was called. Is that a mythological creature as well? No, that's what they called whiskey. But uh yeah. They would they would drink it straight, and the Scots and Irish realized very quickly on that the terroir, terroir, the the flavor of your whiskey very much depends on the very particular geographic location where you get the water from, and the the peat and the other like ingredients that go into making it. You you ever ridden a Guinness pony? What's a a Guinness pony? Don't they have like the Shetland ponies at the Guinness Mansion? <laughs> At the Guinness factory? Yeah. <laughs> you make it no. sound like the Guinness comes from the pony. Um, no, I didn't know that was even a thing. I know about like the Budweiser Clydesdales. Oh, shoot. Those are some beautiful horses. I think I might be thinking of those. Well, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> the Guinness ponies. You know the what, Budweiser Guinness? Clydesdales. Some ideas. Don't edit this out. 
Uh, and we can't say you you may have seen Guinness. Sometimes will bring the, they make other beers besides the Guinness Stout. Although Americans all know the Stout, um, but sometimes they'll try. You can get their different beers in America. It's rare. There's like a Guinness Red. There's a Guinness Blondale. But they're all available in the UK, which is pretty cool. They oh. make a whole variety of them. Oh my! And they're all quite good. That's it. That's my Guinness factoids. I love <laughs> my goodness, my Guinness. <laughs> Yeah, I got flagged. <laughs> oh no, Michael Ferrar, thanks for joining us, and thanks everybody else for checking in. Yeah, this we'll is be... this is a nice short one because because we're drunk. Just we know kidding. you're probably headed to the bar. Just